I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Have you ever wondered how you can stand out in a crowded job market and negotiate better benefits, better pay, and also just get your career on the right track? If you have, this is the episode for you. episode, we'll be discussing some of the best career hacks out there and some tips and tricks that you can use to get ahead further in your career. Nice. Maybe I can get a pay rise after this episode. And before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded. We extend our respects to elders past, present and emerging and recognize the ongoing care to the land, waterways and skies on which we live and work. We extend the same respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today and welcome and celebrate the diversity of our communities. So let's get into the 10th career hack, which is reviewing your pay and what the market rates are. Yes, I think it's really important to start, you know, you know, not anywhere else than just looking at your pay and how much you're getting paid and what you're actually getting compared to the market rate. And how do you, do you have any tips we need to check your market rates? Yes, there's some really great websites out there. One that I really love is Glassdoor. It can get a bit spicy though because it's all anonymous reviews from employees that actually work in that company. And some people have maybe some spicy things to say about the companies they're working for. So it's really interesting because I find when it is anonymous, people can be brutally honest and it's a good way to gauge just how much people are getting paid in different roles at different companies. So that's definitely a good one to check out. Yeah, I like Glassdoor because you get to see like real reviews of real employees. Obviously, you don't know who these people are, but you get actually like real reviews and real numbers. So it's really interesting to to know like the real numbers. Exactly. And if there are any managers or employers out there, definitely recommended to check up your company on Glassdoor See what your employees are thinking and get a pulse for what the general consensus is. Because even if it isn't positive, there are ways that you can fix it. And I think also even just having a Glassdoor profile and say, let's say, for example, you have some employees that aren't very happy and aren't giving the best reviews. At least you can know that so you can start to change the culture of your company and maybe implement some things that so that people don't feel like that. And I think something when I was job searching that I really liked was even if there were companies that didn't have the best reviews, if there was somebody from that company reaching out and commenting on those reviews and saying, oh, okay, that's interesting. We're looking into this further. It just goes to show that they actually are being proactive and it's not like they just don't care about what people think. Yeah, it's good to see like that they actually care. You know, it's like a Google review or Yelp review and then you have like one star review because something happened and then you're like, the person actually the manager answering and say, oh, this is why we're happy to solve your problem. You know, they're taking it seriously. Yeah, yeah. What's funny? I'm just thinking, like, imagine if, like, if some employee sees it and then they start, like, yelling at the person. 
who is it? <laughs> Tell me who you are. Like, definitely don't do that if you are an employer replying to somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't do, do that. Do it in a positive way. Yeah. Probably. Like, I'm going to find you. <laughs> yeah. You know, like in Tekken. Yeah. What is it? I'm going to find you and I'm going to kill you. Don't do that, please. Because yeah. I've seen some bad, like, Google reviews or, like, managers replying to people. Yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Yeah, definitely not. Is there anything else that people can do if they don't have internet and cannot go on Glassdoor? I'm not sure what. They can talk to their employee, Queenie. Oh, yeah, that's true, actually. That's a good one, Pablo. I love it. Yeah, that, that is very true. So you may have noticed in some employment contracts, they have this clause that says that you can't talk about your pay with your colleagues But did you know that pay secrecy has now been banned in Australia and in the US and also in other countries around the world? So it's actually illegal for employers now to put that in their contracts. So feel free to talk to your colleagues and your friends about your pay because the more pay transparency there is, the more that people know what they're getting paid, the more it's just fair for everyone, right? Yeah, exactly. You don't want someone like doing the same job, getting paid like $20,000 less than the same person, right? For X or Y reason. Exactly, exactly. And that's just how, I guess, discrimination or those, you know, pay gaps exist between, you know, genders, racial diversity. And, you know, that's how they, they can keep on persisting if people aren't talking about their pay. So the more that we can do that, the better it is for everyone. Yeah, and even just people that don't know how to negotiate their salary better. That can be anyone, but these people are getting like less pay than people that, you know, are good at their job but also know how to negotiate better. Exactly, exactly. So it's not just for you, but it's really for everyone. It's for the community. So doing everyone a favor by talking about it. Yeah, 100%. And so after people discuss their salary or check on Glassdoor, What's the next step to increase their salary? Well, I'm glad you asked because this is the next point. Point number nine, asking for a pay rise and especially trying to get a pay rise every year so it does keep up with inflation. Because as we know, every year, the cost of things, they go up and the cost of my grocery bills have definitely gone up a lot in the past year. Oh, yours grocery bills have increased? Yes. Mine too. Yeah, I know. I wonder why. Wonder why? Well, my girlfriend recently did the budget. I did. She said, "You know, Pablo, no more bananas. You're eating too much. Pablo is eating too many bananas. Too many bananas. Pablo loves bananas. I have to cut on bananas. It's the first thing he goes for in the supermarket because they are the front of the supermarket. <laughs> yeah, but you you immediately spot the man. It's hilarious. It's not like I'm gonna go <laughs> to the frozen section, which is at the back. Yeah, I don't know. It's just so funny how much Pablo loves bananas. We're shopping with one of our friends." And Pablo kept on saying, we need bananas, we need bananas. And then he was just like, okay, Pablo, we'll get your bananas, don't worry. That's it not was really, Yeah, he was like, don't worry, May, we'll get your bananas. That's not what happened. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> yes, uh, so ensuring that your pay is increasing with inflation is really important because if you're not getting a pay rise that keeps up with inflation, you're essentially going backwards. Yeah, Which is not what we want. How can you buy bananas if, you know, the price goes to $3.50 per kilo and you can't afford it? Exactly. You'd have to get one less banana, maybe yeah. two less bananas every you know, trip. Not right. Mm-hmm. Not ripe. Yeah, not ripe. I've got a good pun. 
you can't uh, buy bananas if the price of bananas is bananas. Oh, yeah. I like it. <laughs> we need like a... Daniel Pan. Uh, I'll add that in for next week. <laughs> I love it. And if you're unable to get a pay rise, let's say the company can't afford it right now or this year, you could always negotiate extra days, annual leave, extra days working from home or even professional development courses. So then at least you can get some sort of benefits, even if they're not directly monetary benefits. Those are some other things you could negotiate. Yeah, you can ask more food, more bananas, more Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. you can also leave. I mean, not that you need to leave, but, you know, I guess step by step. You're like, first, check your salary. Then you ask where you can, what you can get from your manager or whatever. And then after that, then you can ask other benefits if they can afford, afford it, especially nowadays. It might be hard to find a job. And there might be other things that people can do in order to maybe not get more money but get more time in some other ways. The reason why we've laid out the script like this is exactly what Pablo said. We've kind of gone from the first things that you can do all the way up until like potentially moving jobs, finding a new job and how you can do that. So it's it's a bit of a journey. We're taking you on a journey through this. Yeah, come on the bus. <laughs> okay, next one, number eight, commission-based jobs. I like that. Yeah. So I think one of the things that a lot of people may not consider is that in the beginning of your career, you may not earn that much money from commissions, especially if you are quite new at it. But commission-based jobs are one of those things. You may start at a lower base salary, but you could really increase your salary quickly if you do have a commission structure in place and if you are working at the right company and especially if you can sell well or if you're really good at your job. So that's something definitely to consider. Yeah, commission-based job. I haven't done it personally. I think you haven't done it. But we have someone in the room, Daniel, has had some experience with commission-based job. Yeah, um, I, I worked I worked as a um, sales consultant was my title, um, which just sounds a little bit fancier than sales rep. Uh, yeah, I, I worked as a sales rep last year. Um, it was great. I really enjoyed it because I was only working three days a week, um, but often <clears throat> often my, my pay would be the equivalent of if I was working five or six days a week, like if I had a particularly good week of selling. So, yeah, it was, it was really – it was great, especially I think for for students as well. If, if you have limited time, you can um, end up making a lot more money than if you're just working an hourly rate. But there is also – the level of pressure I think that comes along with uh, when you're in a commission structure, which is usually you have targets and you have goals, so you can't you can't afford to underperform usually for long periods of time because yeah they're reliant on you to be hitting those those targets. Yeah, because it's like good because you're gonna get like it's uncapped or you know there's cap but much very high in terms of money and how much you can make, but then your base salary is like much lower than everyone else. So you need to make it up by making sales. It's a bit more pressure. It's not for everyone, but if you are wanting to make more money and not want to spend more time. And, you, and you've got to be very uh, resilient as well because often in sales roles, there's a lot of no's before there's a yes as well. So that's, that's something to consider. Very true. You've got to have thick skin, but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Yeah, and I think it's good experience anyway because then you can later on negotiate a better salary even if you are not in sales. Exactly, exactly. So that leads us to our next point, number seven. If you're not working in a commission-based role, another way that you could negotiate more money for yourself 
is to work for a startup and negotiate equity. So I actually did this. I used to work for a startup. And to be honest, this is one of the biggest mistakes that I've made in my career. I wish I negotiated more equity. So I was on a pretty good base salary. I was happy with my salary. And then the startup just decided to to throw in a bit of equity with my base pay. So I was like, okay, I didn't negotiate the equity, which I definitely should have looking back. Anyway, uh, the other, a couple of months ago, the startup actually sold to another company. So my shares got paid out and I got a nice little bonus in my bank account. I think it was like 8000 or so dollars, which I was really happy with because I, yeah, I really wasn't expecting it. So I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, until I had a look at the contract <laughs> and it actually had a list of how many shares people at the company had. So they, I knew like people that I worked with had negotiated more equity and got massive payouts. And I was like, damn it, I should have negotiated more equity. Why didn't I do that? I'm such an idiot. So yeah, that's one thing I wish I did. So if you are working for a startup or if you are considering working for a startup, definitely negotiate more equity because that could actually turn into real money. And when I talk about real money, I mean like real money. People, Some people got paid out millions, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands. So yeah, definitely don't skimp on the equity. Yeah, no, for sure. That the thing is a bit harder to know is because like how many startups actually succeed to get cap price but also exit like your startup like exited quite early on, but some startup takes like 10 years before they even like exit and you can get your money. And it's not always easy to, to know if it's going to happen or not. Uh, but I think it's really good that if you want to make real money, definitely with a business or with like equity, that can be a real way to make money. For example, people, I think with Canva, there are a lot of people that work there and, you know, it's a unicorn, like billion dollar company. They have equity. They still haven't seen that money yet until it's like listed, or, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's another thing to consider. It does take a while, but you might as well negotiate the equity just like you would negotiate a salary because that could really turn into big money. And it really could even be life-changing money if the startup does sell for a lot of money. Yeah, 100%. Like that's real money. Like that's big money you can get from like just equity. Yeah, exactly. And number six, the next tip, gain experience early on. I think this was a really, really good thing that I did early in my career. So I got my first job at 14 and nine months. That's the legal age that you can get a job. So as soon as I turned 14 and nine months, I was handing out resumes. In fact, I was even handing out resumes before that, (laughs) you know, just to see if there there was any interest. And at the time, I still remember, like, not many people in my high school had jobs. I was maybe one out of maybe two people in my whole grade that had jobs. And people also used to make fun of me for working at McDonald's, like, ha-ha, you work at McDonald's. <laughs> but you know what? At the time, even though, even if you are working at McDonald's or working in fast food, maybe not the most glamorous jobs, it you get your foot in the door. And it was so much easier for me to get better jobs later on in high school. So yeah, by the time I was 16, I was working in a department store, which I was like, oh, this is really cool for like a 16 year old. And you know, a lot of my friends really struggled to find jobs because they didn't have that experience early on. So I would say if there are any young people listening to this podcast or even just people in general, I think it's really important to get experience, any experience 
even if it is, you know, working at McDonald's. I also did unpaid internships for a while to get some experience early in the office area. Yeah, because at the end of the day, people do look at your resume of experience. And I think that's more important than anything else these days. Yeah, experience is definitely more important than like, you know, what where you study and what you study and all these things that like, people want to see experience before what you've studied. Yeah, they sure do. Speaking of experience, Queenie, perfect segue for the next points. We are looking to get people's experience with the podcast because, you know, we love every Thursday recording it with Daniel, Queenie, enjoying it. And we love to know how your five-star experience is and how you're enjoying it. So if you don't mind. Leave us a review and a quick ad break because we have just launched a brand new investing course with Rask. It's set up for beginner investors to make their first investment in the stock market. So if you would like to check it out, we have some links in the show notes below. We're really excited about this course. We've put in a lot of work over four months, both our team, Rask. So yeah, we hope you like it. We've made it easy to digest, really simple, easy bite-sized pieces and yeah, very informative. Yeah, I think it's really good for anyone that wants to get started investing or, you know, get into the stock market so that they can learn how to do that easily. Exactly. So, you know where to go. Nice. What's the next one, Squinny? Number five. Number five, invest in education and skill development. So, there are so many free courses out there. So, on TAFE, you can have a look at some free courses that you can do. And even Stanford and Harvard also have free online courses that you can take and you can even get a certificate at the end of completing these courses. So education and personal development, it doesn't have to be really, really expensive. You can do free courses online. Something that we used to do when we were working our nine to five corporate jobs was doing um, Udemy courses and courses on Teachable and, and places like that. And yeah, we learned so many skills from doing these courses online courses. So yeah, definitely worth it. Yeah, courses are really good. And so another point, you know, when we talked about like more free days and things like that, you can you can also ask your job or your employer to pay for those courses because they want you to increase your skills and they want you to, to be better at your job. So you can use that into improving your own skills and also like increase your, your salary or your status, create a side hustle from that skills that you learn. And that's a really good win. Exactly, yeah. Learning for free. So that's really good. And then you can have the kind of Harvard in your resume. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is really cool. It sounds like fake guru, but, you know, (laughs) it's real. I went to Harvard University online. Online. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Harvard, Stanford. (laughs) How did you do this? But you never left Australia, (laughs) you know. Time travel. Yeah, that's true. You're a top honours student, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I know that also even just Google has some really good like little free courses you can do. I know there's ones on like coding and stuff that you can learn and they're all free and they are like proper courses. Like you get a certificate and you've completed it and stuff and you can put it in your resume. So you can have a look at those as well. Mm. You can have Google, Harvard, Stanford logos on your CV. That's a lot of cool logos. Yeah, exactly. And uh, if you do our course, you can have the Invest with Queenie University on your logo. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yes. Maybe we could have that. Like you can add it to LinkedIn. Stamped by Queenie 
investor screening. That's right. That's right. Okay. And something else to consider is the loyalty tax and how not changing jobs can affect your earning potential. So they did some studies on people that stayed in the same job versus people that changed jobs every couple of years to increase their income. And what they found was, for one, new employees get paid on average 7% more than existing employees doing the same job, which is quite a lot when you think about it. But that gets even bigger when you compound that over a lifetime So at the end of someone's working career, people that change jobs regularly versus people that stay put in the same job for really, really long periods of time, the people that job change, they earned around 50% more than the people that stayed in the same jobs for really long periods of time, which is just crazy, right? 50% is a lot. It is. It really is. So if you have been with the same job for more than a couple of years, and you aren't regularly getting your paycheck increased, maybe time to consider looking at the other options out there in the market or even using that as, you know, leverage to negotiate more money. Because obviously if you do have, you know, the salary ranges for your position at different companies, you can take that to them and say, look, this is the market rate for my role at different companies and I would like to be in line with that market rate. So, yeah. Yeah, that's why it's important to check the market rate and do that regularly, you know. You don't want to wait five years on the same salary and then come to your employer and say, from like, you know, 50,000 back then to now it's 100,000. But then they will be like looking at you, oh, no, we can't increase that. But if you do that like every six months or every year and then slowly increase to the right salary, then it will look more smooth for you and also for the employer. Exactly, exactly. Actually, I was looking in the comment section on a video about the loyalty tax and job changing and somebody wrote in the comment, which I thought was so interesting, was like basically there was this one employee at this company that they that they were working at and they were shocked that she didn't ask for a pay rise within I think five years or so. And so by the time that she did ask for a pay rise, they're like, oh, that's good that she's asking for a pay rise. But I mean, that's kind of how some employees think. Like they they might see an employee being underpaid and just waiting for them to ask them for a pay rise rather than giving them the pay rise up front. So I think employers kind of expect it, especially if it has been more than a year, two years. They're kind of like waiting for it to happen. So you might as well. Yeah, you might as well ask. And wasn't there this story when you told me about that this person she or he applied for the job at her own company that was paying $20,000 more. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So there was this lady working at a tech company and this company was hiring for her role or someone, you know, in a similar team. And yeah, the job was offered for, I think, 20 or 30K more than what she was getting paid. So she applied for that job and they gave it to her. They gave her that pay rise. So, yeah, it's definitely worth doing. Yeah, even if you're not confident asking, you can just look at what your company is hiring for and what are, what is the job description and what is the paid. So that way you can understand, oh, this is the value, how much they value you because you can compare. Exactly. Or exactly. other company. Nice. I love it. Oh. And I think a really cool hack about ChatGPT. Yes, I love this one. So I was on Instagram and there's this person called Vincent Chan on Instagram. 
And he had this really great reel about using ChatGPT to write a cover letter for you. Because as we know, I mean, I'm super lazy. When I was applying for jobs, like I cannot be bothered writing a cover letter. I don't think I ever wrote one because, and I know they make you stand out, but like who has time for that these days? Exactly. But ChatGPT, that can just take all the heavy lifting out of it for you. Yeah, so how do you do it? So basically, I think what I've noticed works with ChatGPT is putting as much information about you as possible into the question. So you'll say, for example, um, hi, I'm a video production person with 10 years of experience and I'm looking to apply for Universal stu- a position at Universal Studios and can you please write me a cover letter about my skills which are XYZ and then it will just write a cover letter for you. And it's pretty amazing. You may have to tweak it a little bit but it's a good starting point. Yeah, it's cool. And imagine using ChatGPT to hire people or find people. If you like enter, hey ChatGPT, I am looking for you know, video editor with that many experience in TikTok, whatever. And then we are finding people on LinkedIn for you, sending them a message, setting up an interview, and then you just sit and just wait. Whoa, that's crazy. That would be cool. Whoa, that would be amazing. Nice. <laughs> Is there anything else that people can do apart from ChatGPT if they're not too into AI? Yes. Here is another really, really cool hack. This is a really cool hack. So basically... There are some companies where employees can get a referral bonus for referring one of their friends or some people that they know into a job. And if that person successfully gets the job, they'll get a bonus. So usually this can range anywhere from $400 up to even $10,000 depending on the role. And what you can do is you can kind of hack the system. So what you can do is like message people on LinkedIn that work for a company that you want to work for and ask the employees that already work there whether they would give you a referral for a new job position that they have open. And especially if that company does have those referral commissions in place, it's highly likely that that person may actually refer you. So you can check this out on LinkedIn and also on Fishbowl. Fishbowl is another website where they basically have like job postings and people talking about different companies and careers. You can ask people on Fishbowl and on LinkedIn whether or not they can refer you for a job. And people that have a job referral from someone within the company are way more likely to actually land that job. So that's another way that you can increase your chances of getting a job. Yeah, check out like Fishbowl and LinkedIn. Definitely like good ways to to get like a referral. And especially get a kickback for that person that gives you a referral. Yeah, exactly. Because if the person gets a kickback, then why would they say no, you know? As long as you have all the experience and qualifications. It's like, yeah, look, when I was 14, I worked at McDonald's. Can you give me a referral? (laughs) Become the CEO. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be funny. Nice. What's the next one, Queenie? Number three, looking for a mentor or even a virtual mentor. What's a virtual mentor? I'm glad you asked, Pablo, because I actually do have a virtual mentor. Her name is Oprah Winfrey. She hasn't replied to any of my texts or emails, but I watch all of her videos and she inspires me. So I think even if you can't really get in contact with somebody, you know, on an individual level, you could always just listen to podcasts, 
videos that they're in and kind of like absorb all the information that they're giving you and read books. And it is kind of like having them as a mentor, especially a lot of these people, especially the ones that write books, they're offering, they're often pouring their whole life onto paper and all of the learnings and things that they've learned throughout life. So if you pick up one of their books, you can essentially absorb all of the information, all of the experiences that they've gone through, which can also help you in your life. So yeah, virtual mentors. Yeah, it's really cool. Like virtual mentors are a good way to have like really, really high mentors. And I have also a tip for people that are looking for mentor or connect with like people that they look up to and want to become or wants them to be their mentors. You know, always like sometimes you are here and people you feel like they are there, but it's not always easy to message them or email them or get a reply because, you know, you're going to send them a message on Instagram and they have like thousands of messages, so they're not going to look at it. But what you can do is you can look at the people that are connected to that person and at the same level as you, and you can more easily connect with that person. And then obviously like genuinely, like not, hey, I need to talk to that person, but, you know, make a connection with that person. And then later on, you know, being introduced to the person that you look up as a mentor. What do you think? Oh, yeah, that's a really, really good point. I really like that because I think what we found is like people are people, you know, like we've met some really successful people that we kind of feel a bit intimidated by. But at the end of the day, they just want to be treated like a normal person, you know, and I think that the more that you can treat even people that are super successful as kind of like, you know, as an equal, really, because I really think that we are all equal. We all just have different experiences in life, but I really don't think any one person is better than another person. So there's no no reason to kind of make yourself small around people and to make yourself seem small. And I think that you'll probably even have a better chance of getting a good relationship with that person that you want to. Yeah, exactly. They want to feel like equal or they want to feel like a, like a normal person. It's like, I don't know, if you talk to someone that is disabled or have like maybe lost their arm, you don't want, they don't want to be reminded they lost an arm every time. You want to be like, they are a normal person, which they are, you know, they want to feel normal. It's the same with like top CEOs. They don't want to be reminded, oh, you're the CEO of Google or whatever. No, you're just a normal person. And it's the same with anyone. So just talk like to a normal person, you will. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Exactly. Actually, have a funny story about that. Um, so Pavel and I, we went to this event and in the event, we were talking to a few people at this company. And this is a really good like company, Australian company. That's all I'll say. And, um, and then we were talking to this one guy and he was so lovely, you know, full of energy. And he was just really, really excited about all these projects that he was working on at, at work. And I was like, that's amazing. That is so excited and dedicated about, you know, all the projects. He was so excited showing us all this stuff. We're like, that's amazing, you know. 
And then later on he was like, oh, come over for dinner, you know, like maybe next week or something. And we're like, yeah, sure, that would be great. And then I was just talking to Pablo. I'm like, wow, that guy was so nice. And he was so excited about all these projects. That's really nice. And then Pablo is like to me, oh, yeah, I can't believe he's like the CEO and founder of that company. And I was like, wait, what? Because <laughs> I had no idea. And yeah, then I had, like, no idea. I had no idea. And that's the thing, like, because we just, I had no idea who he was. I was just treating him like a normal person. And Pablo, Pablo knew, but we were kind of casual about it. And then I was like, that makes sense because he kept on getting pulled and dragged away by people and then he'd come back to us and like, sorry about that. So, yeah, it's funny. People just want to be treated like regular people, you know? Yeah, it's funny. That would be interesting to, you know, go back in the past and be like, what if you knew about that person being the CEO and founder? And maybe what, how will you talk to that person? Maybe you will talk differently. Maybe he will not invite us for dinner, you know? We don't know. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I would have been really embarrassing and like made myself small and, you know, Potentially. that could have happened, right? Yeah, that's yeah. funny. Nice. Mentors. Love it. What's yes. the next one, Kuni? Number two. Number two is to ensure that you have good savings and financial habits. One thing that I think is really, really important to have is FU money. FU money, as in FU money? So FU money, it's basically like an emergency fund of three to six months. And having three to six months of living expenses saved in a bank account will just give you that buffer. So if you are working a job and it's not working out and you're not enjoying it, you can always, you always have that option to leave and you'll still be okay even if you are out of work for a couple of months looking for your next gig. And I think it's really, really important to have FU money I remember when I was working in the corporate world, if I did encounter any toxic bosses or any toxic work situations, I, I had that safety and security knowing that I could leave at any time and I didn't really need that job. And it just gives, it makes you feel more powerful just knowing that you don't really need to be there all the time. And even if something happened, even if there are layoffs, you know, like the current market situation, Even if there are layoffs or you could lose your job, at least you know you can walk away and you don't have to stay there. Yeah, that's why it's important to have money in the bank account. And is there anywhere like bank account you recommend? Yeah. (laughs) Very, very sly, very casual, Pablo. As usual. Yeah, so the bank account that we actually use is Ubank. And the reason why we really like this one is it's a high-interest savings account you get about 4.35% per year. And there are also a lot less exclusions to getting that bonus interest rate. So with a lot of the other banks, you need to make five purchases every month. You need to grow your account balance every month. You need to deposit $1,500 into your bank account every month. There are like five or six different things that you have to do in order to qualify for the bonus interest rate. And when I used to be with those banks, I never used to get it. I used to get like a 0.1% interest rate instead of the 5% interest rate. But with Ubank, the only requirement is that you deposit $200 into your account every month. And that's it. And you get the 4.35% interest rate. Yeah, $200 is not much. So it's usually easy. You get that easily. And we actually made an extended video on five different bank accounts, savings account. And we compare them all. If you want to check that, it's on our YouTube channel and we'll have a link. But yeah, basically for us, we use Ubank because that works for us. 
and it's easy. We like it. Good yeah, app. there are other bank accounts that offer higher higher interest rates, but they may have more exclusions to getting those bonus interest rates. But yeah, worth checking out the video so you know exactly what they are. And we have also put a link down to you bank below. If you sign up with our link, you'll get some free money and we'll get some free money. So win-win. Yeah, win-win. On to the last ones. Number one. Number one. Okay. I feel like this is a good one. So creating a personal brand and a personal presence, becoming a LinkedIn influencer, that could really, really help bolster your earning potential in your career. Yeah, I think creating your personal brand, I mean, you should learn from that, Kunya, I think, because your personal brand, it's a bit small nowadays. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's it's just so important to have a personal brand. So if you are well-known in an industry because you are blogging about it, you're creating posts on social media, you're creating LinkedIn posts, it's a lot more likely that you'll be given more opportunities in that industry. So you'll have a bit more selection about which jobs you want to go in in the future and the different career opportunities you can take. And I I feel like nowadays, especially because I do have my own personal brand, I had no idea, you know, the reach and the different opportunities that you can get from having a personal brand. So at the beginning, obviously, the content was really cringe. And I look back and I I cringe. I really do. (laughs) It's terrible. But, you know, my heart was in the right place. I was trying to give people good information and and share tips and things along the way. And I think if you do have good intentions, they're just putting content out there to help people, people can see that, even if it is a little bit cringe, even if you, you aren't talking that well in front of a camera and and you mess up a couple of words. People see that and they appreciate it because you're putting yourself out there, you're trying to give people value and people probably follow along your journey and, and try to support you if you do help them out, you know, in their career, sharing some good tips. They'll, they'll try to support your career as well. So yeah, it's definitely worth doing and I'm so happy that I started my personal brand because never thought it would take us here, hey? Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. And you have a little humble brag, right, on LinkedIn? <laughs> yes, actually. Okay, so one of our friends, um, she is really, really good on LinkedIn. She's got so many thousands of followers. And I was like, I asked her, what's the secret for cracking the LinkedIn algorithm? What do you do? And she was like, basically, humble brag, just humble brag you know, uh, and the way that she does it and the way that I'm learning to do it now, it's not like, hey, look at me, I'm the best. It's more like, I'm so grateful I got given this opportunity or I'm so grateful I won this award or I'm so grateful I had this happen to me. And people love that kind of stuff on LinkedIn because it's just full of, now, if you scroll through LinkedIn, you'll probably notice it a lot more now, but it's basically humble brags. So yeah, if you want to succeed on LinkedIn, humble brag. I'm so grateful this happened to me. Yeah. Things like that. <laughs> exactly. That that can be your little template. So now on our last point, part of our one point number one, networking events. What are your thoughts, Queenie? Ooh, okay. So I feel like in the beginning of our career, we heard that networking events were really good. So we went to heaps of networking events and it was so awkward looking back. It was just really awkward. Sometimes they had pizza in some startup office 
and we were just talking to these people that, and, and it was just awkward vibes, you know, like everyone was just humble bragging to each other about their jobs. And it, and then at the end of the night, like we never used to meet anyone. We never had any opportunities come out of those events. And we went to so many of those networking events. We went to a lot. The only thing we got, I think, was free pizza. Free pizza. Free pizza was good. But yeah, those kinds of events, I feel like it is a bit of a waste of time. It can be good, but you need to really know who gonna be there, who is gonna be there, and also what you're gonna get, or you know who you're gonna want to meet. And I think it's important to to understand that. Otherwise, no point just going to a networking event to go to a networking event, and you have no idea who is gonna be there, and if you're gonna enjoy it or if it's gonna be valuable at the end of the night. Mm, exactly. I would say, let's say if you have a passion about a certain topic. Maybe go to those events and then at least you have something to bond with people over rather than just a networking event for other people that that want more career opportunities because then it's just going to be a bit awkward vibes. But if you go to an event that's like, I don't know, say if you love like iPhones, I, I don't know, what's something people love? You love like flowers. cameras, flowers, go to a flower event. And then, then you'll meet other people that love flowers and at least you can bond with them, you know, about a, a shared passion rather than just like, hey, I do this for work. What do you do for work, you know? And bond about the free pizza. Exactly, yeah. Have you been to networking events, uh, Daniel? Uh, no, no, I don't know if I've been to any networking events ever. But, I mean, not not events, but just like re- reaching out to people even or if you if um, your friend has a friend or, or someone knows someone, just trying to get in contact with them at all. Like if if um, if they're if meeting them and talking to them will be of benefit to you, or or if it's mutually beneficial to talk to that person, then just reaching out and seeing because like you never know if someone will just be happy to sit down and have a coffee with you or whatever. So it's it's always worth reaching out, even if they're well above what someone you think you could get in contact with. Just just do it and give it a go because the worst thing they can do is either say no or just not respond. But I don't think anyone's ever going to be upset that you reached out. So it's it's always worth it. Yeah, exactly. And most of the time, you know what, when you're going to reach out to like very high net worth people, they're probably not even going to see it. So you can try multiple platforms until they see your message. <laughs> nice, public. So what can people do after this podcast? What could they do to increase their earnings, Kuni? So let's go, go back through it. So we talked about reviewing your pay and seeing what the market rates are so you could potentially negotiate a higher salary. Yeah, that's cool. That's one action item that you can do just after that podcast and after you give the ratings, check your pay and then, you know, check if you are where you are in the scale. Even if it might hurt to look at it, it's good to do it. Exactly. And next, ask for a pay rise, especially to keep up with inflation and to keep up with the market rates that other people are currently getting in your job and in your career. Nice. Let's do that. Consider commission-based jobs and working for a startup because although these might be a little bit slower at the beginning, they could have really big payoffs towards the end. Gaining experience early on, any experience I think is really, really important. Invest in your education and skill development, even by doing free courses on Google, 
There are free TAFE courses, free Stanford and Harvard courses, so it doesn't have to be that expensive. And consider changing jobs every couple of years to increase your earning potential or at least ensure that you are constantly reviewing your salary if you are working for the same employer just to make sure that you're not paying the loyalty tax. Looking for a mentor or even a virtual mentor. And developing good financial habits. So you can have a bit of FU money stored in your bank account. So if you do need to leave jobs or if you do need to be without a job for a couple of months, at least you know you have something to fall back on. And creating a professional presence online, either through social media, blogging, having some sort of personal brand so that you can get access to new opportunities in your career. Nice. Great recap, Connie. I love it. So if you have any questions about today's podcast, you can write to us in the type form below and reach out to us on any of the social media platforms. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you in the next one.